We are all connected in the great circle of life. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30-second full-length animated motion picture, The Lion King. He was born to rule. This will all be mine? Everything the light touches. Wow. But a shadow lies over the kingdom. I will be king. Run away and never return. Get Virginia. I don't want to talk about it. He looks blue. I'd say brownish gold. No, no, no. I mean, he's depressed. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. He grew up hoping to leave his old life behind. I know who you are. You're Mufasa's boy. You're the king. King? Have you got your lions crossed? You know my father? Correction. I know your father. He died. A long time ago. Nope. Wrong again. <laughs> He's alive. And I'll show him to you. Father? You are my son. And the one true king. You see, he lives in you. You must take your place in the circle of life. Simba! It's a legendary tale filled with excitement. <laughs> plus dozens of wonderful new characters. Why do I always have to save you? Ah! And featuring original music and songs by Grammy winner Elton John and Academy Award winner Tim Rice. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents an entertainment event you'll never forget. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Good evening, one and all, and welcome to another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live on channel 1138.com, and also coming to you through the power of iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, Podbean, StarWarsUnderworld.com, and just about any other way you can try and find us on the interwebs. My name is Zach, and I'm very, very, very excited to be talking about what we've got on tap tonight. Like, I can't even describe how excited I am. I wish we could have like three hours to dedicate to this episode, but unfortunately we've only got about an hour and a half. So it's going to be a really interesting night, but it's going to be a lot of fun because we've got a really great topic and some really great people helping us discuss this topic. So I'm going to go ahead and bring them in now. First and foremost, my good friend, my co-host, my buddy, Mr. Ben Hart. How are you tonight? I am doing fantastic. Glad to be back and glad to be discussing what we're going to be discussing tonight because I 
yeah, we're going way back to my childhood, and it's going to hit me in the feels, and I can't wait. Apparently, feels is not a word you're allowed to use anymore. My teenage sister rolled her eyes anytime I use that word. Ah, kids these days. I know, right? Like, they can say yeet, but we can't say feels? What gives? Yeet! I, I just, you know what? I have, I, I already have a definition for the word yeet. All right? Take your censorship of my feels and yeet it. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, except the, the past participle is yoted, I believe. So you, oh, you, okay. you, you, you yoted your feels. I, I don't know. I, these are uh, all these are all the people that are planning to go at Air Fifty One and get themselves killed. So I don't really care what right, they think. Right, right. I, I just get yourselves into Area Fifty One, people. <laughs> go get you an alien. Yeah, seriously. Anyways, let's also bring in the third member of our crew. He's been with us for the past couple episodes, and he's back for more fun. Uh, help us welcome back, Mr. Jake Damon. Ah, uh, Benya. I don't remember the rest of the words. He, um, he went what's there. Up, guys? He went there. See, there was a time when I actually did know how to sing that song in Swahili. Is that what it is, Swahili? I believe so. Goodness me. I don't know I a be- word of Swahili. I know Asante Sana. Squash Banana. <laughs> Squash Banana. <laughs> um, no, hey, guys. How's it going? I'm I'm really excited to talk about the... the uh, the trailer for the new cats movie oh god how dare you even mention that in my presence (laughs) oh my god to be completely honest i for one did not mind it i think it looks really cool okay i a thousand percent minded it i a thousand percent yeah i was about to throw up in my cup well judging by the sounds of it it gave everybody cancer Oh. Here's the deal. Like I like I'm not some new hater of cats. Like some people were pointing out, hey, hey, cats has always been weird. Yeah, exactly. I've never cared for cats. And now it's some weird oh CG thing that put turns real people into cats that are cat sized people and they're wearing bodysuits and it's freaking terrifying. The only redeeming quality of this movie is that they found a job for Sir Ian McKellen. Right? Like, oh he and Sir Patrick Stewart have been falling victim to age discrimination in the movie industry. It's been very hard for either of them to find work. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart's been doing a lot of stage acting, and Ian McKellen has just been typecast as Gandalf for so many years. Mm-hmm. And yep. so it's been hard to get them to, to do anything else. That's why they took on X-Men Days of Future Past. It's why Sir Patrick Stewart took on this Picard series. It's going to be on CBS All Access. It's because he can't find any other work. And right. that just that just makes me so incredibly sad. So I am happy for Sir Ian McKellen that he's got an an acting gig for something that is expected to be as big as Katz is expecting to be. Mm-hmm. But, oh my lanta, it looked like a furry's field day in there. <laughs> well, I can say this. If if I can make a positive point about it, it brought up some old memories because when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies was Barney's Great Adventure. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a... There's a rainbow egg involved. I don't know. It's it's really weird. But one of the commercials at the beginning of that 
um, VHS tape was for the Cats musical back in 1998. And it was like a big deal that they were putting it on video. And the trailer for that, I must have watched a thousand times. So I have that burned in my memory. And some of the songs in that were like playing in the background in the new trailer. And it just, it brought back a lot of good memories from my childhood. And I went back and watched the old trailer and remembered everything. And it's pretty cool. If you want to talk about the music, I won't argue with you there. There's some great music in Cats. Yeah. As is with a lot of musicals, but Cats is freaking weird, man. It's freaking weird. <laughs> it's weird. You want to know something else weird? Sorry to stay on this topic, but Andrew Lloyd Webber is the guy that came up with the play, apparently, for Cats. Apparently, he came up with another play, too, called The Starlight Express, where everybody plays a train. They're sentient trains. I heard about this. So weird. I think I'd watch that before I would watch Cats. Because at least then I could think it's a, a, a live-action reboot of Thomas the Train. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, we have that to look forward to, because that's coming at some oh, point. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. And then uh, and that comes right after the live-action reboot of Toy Story. Right. I mean, we, we may not be talking about cats today, but we are talking about cats, if you know what I mean. Big cats. Big cats. Very, real, very real, big real, cats. Real, real animated cats. The Aristocats, that's our movie tonight. Hey, I wouldn't mind talking about that either. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's... Everybody wants to be a cat. Yes. Everybody. Yep. Oh, I know boy. there's something racist in that movie. I don't care. It's great. <laughs> I can overlook something? racism. Something? <laughs> it's like the whole movie is racist. It, it's like a giant collection of stereotypes from French to British to American to uh, to, to African-American. Like, there's so many stereotypes. Look, look, look. I'm a Star Wars fan. Racial stereotypes don't bother me. They, I'm used to them. Disney has made some mistakes, let's be honest. No, Disney is perfect. Disney can do no wrong. Uh-huh. Disney mm-hmm. makes perfect movies, like the one that released this weekend. It is ineffable. Nobody can complain about that movie because it is based on the perfection that we are discussing tonight. Wow, you, you, you haven't been on the internet in a while, have you? Yeah, Disney makes no mistakes. Let's review Song of the South. He went there. <laughs> If you want to talk about Disney making no mistakes, let's talk about Home on the Range. Oh my gosh, I watched that probably within the last year. Could not believe what I was watching. <laughs> to be completely honest. It's like, well, Disney, this is bottom of the barrel. I don't know where they got the idea for it from, but dairy cows saving their ranch by capturing... <laughs> A cattle rustler who rustles the cattle by yodeling has to be one of the weirdest plots I have ever experienced in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just Google image searched this and like, nope, nope, not interested. No. 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 Do not waste your time on that trash. And I feel sorry for the people who feel like they're wasting their time listening to us ramble on about something that isn't our discussion topic. It's like, get on with it already! Because we told you in the promo image, we told you in the art, you know, you click on it, you're listening to it, you're thinking, okay, when the hell are they talking about the Lion King? Well, it's now. The point is, this movie 
is really near and dear to all three of our hearts because uh-huh. we're 90s kids. Absolutely. We grew up on this movie. And so when we think about this movie, we're thinking about our childhood. Everything that we just talked about, I feel like, is loosely tied into The Lion King because when we think about The Lion King, we go on a nostalgia trip. When we go on a nostalgia trip, we end up thinking about things like how terrible Home on the Range was, how awesome the Aristocats was, and everything else that just kind of coincides in the middle of all of that. Lion King produces the endorphin of nostalgia, and when it does, our imaginations just start flowing the way it did when we were kids. And I think that is one of the most inspiring things about this movie, is no matter how many times you watch it, no matter how old you get, it just continues to spark the imagination every single time. Yeah. It it, it really does. It's It's amazing. I just watched this movie the other day for the first time in, it could be 10 to 15 years. I'm not even joking. Wow. It's been a long time. But here's the thing. I didn't forget none of it. I was all still in there. Like, mm-hmm. I knew every beat. I knew every lyric to every song. It, this movie is permanently ingrained in my brain um, because I watched the heck out of it, and it is amazing. And it's a huge, was a huge part of my childhood, and it's still just a huge influence on me today. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's such a classic. It's such a... You know, such a wonderful film. It's one of these that I think sticks with everyone that, you know, that, especially that grew up with it. And, you know, regardless of the reviews of the new one, there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to come out with their mind blown with this one. And that's going to be their Lion King. And, mm-hmm. you know, just like I said with Aladdin, like, this, this is going to be this generation's. And it's going to also, one good thing about reboots and stuff like that is the fact that it brings more attention to these older films and you're always going to have people okay let's go watch the original now and it's giving us an excuse to go watch the original now because otherwise we may not get to it so yeah. now we're we've all watched it and we're all talking about it because the new version is coming out so like you know there are pluses to these re- reboots even if you don't like them it's nice to revisit a story however way possible and i was delighted to go back to this one and have an excuse to do it. Yeah, this movie was a big. I, it was. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Sure, it's been a while though. I think the last time I saw it was seven years ago. Maybe I don't know if I'm remembering correctly. But when I was a kid, um, I had a stuffed animal of Simba, and we were inseparable. Like he was my best friend, you know. And it, it was a real Calvin and Hobbes relationship. If I if I were to compare it to anything, um, and he's in storage now, but he, he, me and him went everywhere together and, uh, I have, I brought back a lot of memories watching this and, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned yeah. that. I think I have a stuffed Simba as well somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had, I would be willing to bet I do too. I, I know <laughs> for a fact that I had a stuffed lion that was very much, the the Hobbs to my Calvin, um, there are there are certain people from my church and certain members of my family who every now and again bring him up and they're like, hey, do you remember Lion? Like this is how this is how tight I was with this with this stuffed animal. 
When I was six, I promised that I would take him back to Africa so that I could set him free to be with his family. <laughs> See, that's funny. I had a similar thing with my Simba. There was a there was a night where my dad was trying to convince me that he wasn't real, and I could have sworn he was real. I was like, he's talked to me, okay? I know. <laughs> I've heard him talk. And, I don't know, I was probably four, but... And maybe I had other problems, you know, if I thought my stuffed animal was talking to me. But he was real to me, dang it. Have y'all seen those fan fiction Calvin and Hobbes epilogues that are going around the internet right now? The ones that make me cry profusely? Yes. Oh, man. Like, passing of the torch and the the final farewell and Dude, the... Dude, don't, don't even. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start like... crying. Like, I can just imagine that happening with my lion one day. He's in my closet. You know, that one I keep a little bit closer than the rest of my stuffed animals. I think the rest of them are in, like, my parents' attic or something like that. Like, they're safe, and I know that they're safe. But there's just something special about that lion that's like, if if I try and let go of that, it's like I'm letting go of a really big part of my childhood, and I just can't bring myself to do that. Mm-hmm. Is 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 he still usable? No. Can I can I pass him on to my children one day? No. But it, it's like a piece of my memories and a piece of my childhood that I'm just not going to let go of. And I think the same can be spoken of for this movie. You know, whether, you, like you were talking about, Ben, whether it's been a decade since you've seen it or it's been just a few months or a year like it is for me, I try and watch it once a year if I can. And, and I'd probably watch it more because I believe I mentioned it on my list of top five movies that I'll never say no to. You know, back when we did those that, that top five like two years ago or something like that, I knew then what I know now that uh, if, if somebody asked me at the end credits of The Lion King, you know, they start rolling, you hear Elton John, and if somebody were to turn to me and ask, you want to watch it again? I will never say no to them yeah you know that there, there's never a time where i'm gonna be like eh, i need to go to bed or eh, i've got work tomorrow <laughs> or eh, i'm not really feeling it if i ever like 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 if i if i meet someone you know like a someone special and and they turn to me and they're like let's watch it again i'm like digging through my house for a ring or something okay like that is <laughs> That that is like a deal maker. You know, people have deal breakers. That is a deal maker for me. That's how much I love this movie. I could watch it time and time again, and I will never tire of it ever. Yeah, I was listening to another friend of mine's podcast. Uh, they're going over Wait. the Lion King. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I listen to you other people's listen podcasts. to other podcasts. I'm sorry. You've been cheating on us. I'm so, what? I'm, oh, I'm sorry, but. I have to. I have to. But I... It just feels so good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it feels good to cheat. You just had to make it weird. It, it only felt keep... good when you guys didn't know about it, but now you do. Um, oh, it was the secrecy that turned you on. Yeah. I, <laughs> this is this is going to a weird place, man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, they said that it was a perfect movie, and I have to agree. I think it is a perfect movie. Well, okay, so that brings up an interesting question. And, and Ben, I'm going to toss it to you first. So, Jake, you have a little Mm -hmm. bit of time to to think of your answer. 
but what kind of things do you look for in order to constitute something a perfect movie? Like, what kind of things I are you mean, taking into consideration for that? I mean, it is like, and I think we put a bit too much emphasis on, like, this is perfect. Because there are a handful of films that I think are widely considered perfect. And of course, perfect is still an opinion. You yeah. could have someone very easily go, hey, I have this and this and this and this and this problem with this film. And just look at, oh, I don't know, The Last Jedi where you have people going, this is perfect. No, this is the worst movie ever. And it's like, guys, like, are you watching two different films? Like, how is this even wait, possible? Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got to stop you there. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. How? What did I do? How dare you compare? <laughs> how dare you come on to my show in my house? No, your show. Yes, I'm hosting tonight. It's my show. How okay. dare you try and compare The Lion King to The Last Jedi? The only I thing, didn't compare the it. The only thing those two movies have in common is the word the in their title. I didn't compare it. I was just using The Last Jedi, and I try not to use it too much because it just you know pisses people off or vice versa. Um, using it as an example of when opinions can be all over the place and can be different. And I think maybe there's somebody out there. In fact, in fact, if you watch Mr. Sunday movies and I'm sure you watch them, right, Jake? Uh, yeah. When, when I can. Yeah. If you like this movie, don't go over and watch that their latest video because, uh, -oh. uh Nick Mason hates this movie. Really? <laughs> He trashed it. Wow. He trashed it. It is hilarious. Um, but that's just that's just him. Um, great podcast, by the way. But that's just an example of like people think. So like, yes, I think Lion King is a perfect film because I can't see a problem with it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't see any issues with it. And like that's when it starts becoming a thing. Is like if I can't find something to complain about. Um, you know, I will. And when you have other people kind of agreeing, going, okay, I can't find a problem in this either, a la Lion King, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Jurassic Park, those are just a few films off the top of my head that I think are widely considered as perfect. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. Ultimately, it just comes down to opinion. There really is no, like, you can't be definitive about anything, especially when it comes to film, because there's going to be some contrarian out there that's going to say, well, I didn't like this and this and this. But ultimately, I, it does come down to, you know, it's like, we can't find a problem with this. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, here's my answer to it. I think that it's, I, I don't think there's any movie that's actually perfect. You know, it's just kind of a relative statement. But I think that it's just kind of a feeling that you get, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a lot of things in one, you know, it's the same feeling I get after watching Back to the Future or Jurassic Park. Um, it's just like, like Ben said, you just might not see a whole lot wrong with it. You know, it might just be consistently enjoyable all the way through. It might have a universal love and appeal to it. And it just kind of gives you the right amount of everything, you know, whether it be love, action, humor, just very well-rounded, you know, and there's no way to, to gauge 
all of the stats or anything like that unless you sat down for hours but i think that the answer is just after you watch it how do you feel about it and for me i feel i after watching this again i felt like man there's not a whole lot wrong with this movie at all in fact i might go as far as to say there isn't anything wrong with it i am kind of in a similar boat with you dude and just just to continue the argument from previously for a split second here I went ahead and took the liberty of looking at the top 250 movies rated on IMDb. And while The Lion King is in the top 50, uh, I don't see The Last Jedi anywhere. I see Infinity oh, War. Oh, come on. I see Infinity War at 60. I'm still scrolling. I'm like at 80 now and still I'm not seeing it. Return of the Jedi is at 80. So, let me see, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Lawrence of Arabia. Also, by the way, The Lion King is the number two rated animated film of all time, according to IMDb, behind only Spirited Away. Yeah, I, man, good choice for number one. Let me see, what else have we got here? Monty Python and the Holy Grail is rated higher than The Last Jedi. Um, Rashomon. By the way, remind me to never, ever, 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 ever mention The Last Jedi ever again on this show. Treasure of the Sierra Madre is 125, and I still am not seeing The Last Jedi anywhere on this list. Ben, it's going to be my personal goal every episode now to mention it, to find a way or reason to mention it. 145, Toy Story 4 is rated higher than The Last Jedi. And this will be my last episode, guys. At least it's not uh, your last Jedi. Oh jeez. Um, see, I'm gonna try and answer my own question as best I can because there are different things that I look for. Um, that I don't necessarily. There are some people that I know that actually do give a point system based on these things, and then they average it out to come up with like what their overall score is. Maybe if I was an actual movie reviewer, I would do something like that. Like if I was doing something for the Post or the Times or something like that, then maybe. But you know, I just look at it and, and try and make it as comprehensive as possible. Um, I look at things like casting and how well the cast executed their roles. I look at writing. I look at drama slash intrigue. If it's a musical, I look at the musical numbers and how uh, how catchy and engaging they are. Uh, action. I look at the action sequences and how well those are choreographed and executed. Uh, the overall music, just the film score, is something that I try and pay attention to nowadays, thanks to my music appreciation class that I took in community college. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different factors involved. And everything that I just listed is flawless on The Lion King, in my yeah. opinion. I listen to those musical numbers, and I can sing them time and time again. I listen to the film score, and it's beautiful. The action sequences are amazing. The cast is perfect. I wouldn't change a person. I wouldn't change a thing. Everything that they did was executed so incredibly well, and they got it all done in just 90 minutes yeah it's not it's crazy it's crazy how short this movie is it feels like if i had to guess it feels like like a two-hour movie but it's not like and it and it moves it's really well paced it's really well like put together and it tells a complete story and it's uh, it's just it's really like 
it it feels a lot longer than it actually is. Yeah, I we paused it kind of partway through. I thought maybe it was the halfway point and just to get some ice cream or something like that, you know. And I was we were about two thirds of the way through the movie, you know, and I was like, man, this is really going along. It's funny. I paused it right when it they get to the when they arrive back when Simba and Nala and Timon and Pumbaa arrive back at Pride Rock and they're going to go in and, and do their thing. Yep. And and I look at the time code on what I'm watching and it says, oh, there's 20 minutes left. Right, yeah. Including credits. And I'm like, no, nah, that can't be right. That's like, there's like another hour to this movie still. Like, you're not even into like the third act. But no, it's like, that whole sequence feels so long, but it's, it's really not. It's only like 20 minutes, including the credits. Right. It's incredible how much they're able to fit in there and, and how much they're able to show and to tell. Um, obviously, a, a chronological discussion isn't going to work for something like this. So I, I don't know what approach to take. Maybe a character approach and, mm-hmm. and, the, and their story arcs. I think the, the two biggest ones that maybe we should talk about off the top of the bat are... Simba and Mufasa. You know, they're, they're yeah. two, two of the biggest stories, uh, two of the biggest arcs, and everything kind of weaves and flows through them. Without them, there is no movie. Without them, there, there is nothing else. It's just, it's just animals mm-hmm. living, living on the savanna. That, that's it. If we wanted to do that, we could watch Planet Earth. Thank you, BBC. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, mean, you know what really kind of creeped me out in this movie? When, you know, you kind of get a feeling that all these animals talk to each other and stuff. They're all sentient. But Mufasa kind of just nonchalantly talks about how they eat antelope. It's like, yeah, but they talk and have personalities, but you just eat them? So also, weird. also, what about all the bugs? Do they that talk? Timon and Pumbaa, and, and they're, they're just like eating them. They're like on a buffet, like, hey, just eat them. Like, uh, bugs, bug lives matter. <laughs> but hey, that's the uh, that's the circle of life, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he describes it in a way that it's like, okay, you understand, we eat each other, you know, we're animals, but there's a meaning, there's a purpose to it all, and it all makes sense. Right. But uh, yeah, if you think too hard about it, it's like, Okay, this is kind of messed up. Yeah. Well, what was what I find the most trippy is actually more at the end of the movie where you know, everything has been decimated by Scar and the hyenas. Every everything, I'm not going to this isn't a spoiler folks. The movie's been out since 1994. <laughs> Go watch the damn film. The yeah, sub- ruined it for me. The Pride Spoilers. Lands. The Pride Lands are in ruins, okay? And just because a new lion becomes king, suddenly all the animals decide it's okay to come back now. Like, yeah. I just, I, they, they, are, they are willingly signing up to return to a land that just experienced the savanna equivalent of a culling. And like they, at the beginning, they're cheering like you have all the animals there, like cheer, li- literally okay. cheering on. So I feel like that's a political thing. <laughs> I, 
I re- hear me out. I feel like oh, this... there's it's it's got, everything's got to come back to politics. Well, okay, but I think it really is because th- this this is gonna sound weird. But what if the animals that showed up did so to pay tribute to Mufasa and not to Simba? They they paid their tribute by cheering for Simba in the hopes that Mufasa would recognize them and not kill them somewhere further down the road. Yeah, I just uh-huh. I just see I just see it as the, all these antelope going, "Yay, yay, look at this lion that's probably going to eat me in the future." Yay. I I, I just I, maybe maybe I am reading too much into it. Maybe it's just supposed to be a fun moment in a kids movie and whatever. But I just I can't help thinking that if these are sentient beings, then they have to have come into this with a motive and a purpose. And that purpose can't just be for a giant party at the lion's house, because when you go to a party at the lion's house, there's a good chance you might not come back alive. Yeah. I That's don't, what I'm talking I, about, I, man. It's just a little weird. I, I can't like justifiably think that they're going there just to party and to celebrate the birth of a, of a baby lion. I, I would be of the mindset that they are there so that the lions recognize who showed up and who didn't so that a couple of weeks from now, when it's chow time, you'll be like, oh, you came to Simba's coronation. You are spared. Yeah. that See, that would be a reason to go. It's like, I don't know. It's like, you don't die if you just show up and make me look good. Also it would explain why Scar didn't show up because he's an apex predator that doesn't need to make a political move. <laughs> Man, Scar, what a good no, villain. I, 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 that... <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's great. He is fantastic. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it's Jeremy Irons. Like, how you can't go wrong with him. That I I I know they got Chewtel Edgy 4. I love Chewtel Edgy 4. But man, why didn't they bring back Jeremy Irons for the new one? I can't help but think that maybe they offered it to him and he said no. Weird. I don't know. Because I, I, I would say that's one of his more famous roles, right? Uh, I mean, he was also um, Alfred in the Ben Affleck uh, Batman series. True. True. Oh, excuse you. How could <laughs> I How could I forget that? <laughs> oh, wait. Because the movie was extremely forgettable. Oh boy! Honestly, honestly, Jeremy Irons and Ben Affleck—some of the best parts of Batman movies. Very true. Throw it out there. Very true. I will agree with that. I love, I love the yeah Jeremy Irons. That that's good casting. Good casting mm-hmm. in a not so good movie, but great casting. Um, yeah, but he's he's great. Like I think, and also, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think because I was gonna say like, oh, he can sing and all this kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure Jim Cummings sings all of Jeremy Irons' parts in this oh, movie. Okay, okay. Really? So I've actually done I've actually done the research on this. Thank you, because I I don't want to talk. I'm not ass right now. No, no, no. It, it, it's it's actually kind of interesting because the, Jeremy Irons started with his own stuff. He he's he, from what I understand, from what I read, he he started the song "Be Prepared," and then Jim Cummings had to finish the last portion because in the song be prepared he has this yelling sequence where he's like you won't get a sniff without me and when he did that he threw out his voice 
Oh no. And so in order to wrap up the filming and the, and the production of that musical number, they had to get it done by a certain time and Cummings stepped in and finished the part that comes after that. I, I never knew you could get an onset injury as a voice actor. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You could get laryngitis. You could get bronchitis. You could have allergies that affects the, the way your voice sounds that you could throw out your voice. You, I, I have heard of people that get larynx injuries from overusing their voice box. Man. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a weird condition, but it's a thing. And so, yeah, he threw out his voice and Jim Cummings had to step in and everything that you hear after that. So prepare for the coup of the century. All of that is Jim Cummings. Wow. Jim and- Cummings is a master. He is amazing. Yep. Well, I, I mean, it was it was this that got him the foot in the door for things like Winnie the Pooh movies, you know? Yeah, when you can do like, Winnie the Pooh and Scar, you got some good range. Uh, I mean, that and it was funny because uh, during during the scene when the all three hyenas are, are closing in on the cubs, you hear the, the crazy Ed laughter, and it's like, <laughs> The hyenas, and, by the way. So great, they are, and I'm and I'm going to get to that because this this makes for a nice segue for for this part of the discussion. My sister just happens to walk into the room during that part, and I'm like, "Do you recognize that laughter?" And she just kind of crosses her eyes and scrubs her eyebrows, and she's like, "No," and I said, "That's Hondo," and her jaw just drops. Wait, seriously? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Who's the voice actor of Hondo? Yeah, or Ed. Jim Cummings. That's Jim Cummings too. Really? Yes. Yes. No way. I I genuinely forgot that was Jim Cummings. I never How? knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew that in the first place. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. You got you of course Whoopi Goldberg yep. as Shenzi. Yep. You've got who's the other one? It's Cheech, isn't it? Yeah, Cheech Marin. Is it? Wow. Yeah. He did the voice <laughs> of that amazing. little dog from Oliver and Company. Oh, man, if this is torture. <laughs> Chain me to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that movie had a good villain, too, if I don't, if I remember correctly. He was intimidating as heck. Really scary. Just, just, just like Scar was. I mean, yes, the, the hyenas, they proved to be adequate henchmen. But, you know, Scar is one of the few Disney villains who actually succeeds at his plot. Yeah. You know, I mean, Cruella DeVille comes close when she's got all the puppies together, but she doesn't actually skin them and turn them into coats. You know? (laughs) Creepy. That would have been really creepy. Like, when you think about the idea of killing innocent puppies and peeling their skin off just to turn it into a coat, like, that's just... That's brutal, man. Of all the dogs to want to make coats out of their fur, you pick Dalmatians. What? Yeah, they kind of explain it in the live-action version, which, oh, by the way... Oh, of course they do. Which, by the way, Disney's been doing live-action remakes of movies long before Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King. That is that is that is true. That's something that I think a lot of people miss. It's like, oh, these new remakes, like they've been doing this for like twenty five years. Like, this is nothing new for Disney to remake their stuff in live action. 
yeah, because I'm pretty sure 101 Dalmatians was rebooted in, uh, let me see here, was it 1996? <laughs> With Glenn Close, right? And this is like, this With is Glenn like Close during, and like, this Jeff is like Daniels. Wow. Oh my God. Also, Jasper, <laughs> Jasper and Horace. They were played by Dr. House and uh, the Weasley uh, father. No way. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. see, that that's in that's back in the quote-unquote like golden age of Disney animation. Yet yeah. they were remaking their even older films into live action. Like, Yeah. I mean, it took them like 30 years because I think the original 101 Dalmatians came out in the 60s. So it took them 30 years before they redid that. It only took them 20 years to reboot The Lion King. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at Jasper. But getting and back, right now. <laughs> getting back to Scar blows your mind, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> before they were House, and before they were on Harry Potter, they were Jasper and Horace in 101 Dalmatians. That's crazy. That's insane. That's but insane. Scar, but he's only like Scar. You're right. He he does everything right. He gets what he wants exactly. His only his only mistake is. In the end, just after he's killed Mufasa, he tells the hyenas to kill Simba. And doesn't follow and up. He should he should have done it himself, really. Yeah. I mean, and it, it all things is like, oh, well, maybe Scar actually has a bit of a heart. He didn't want to, you know, brutally murder his, his nephew, too, like he did his <laughs> like he did his brother. But, uh, you know, that's the only, like, wrinkle in, in his plan is that he ultimately Simba escapes and is is his undoing later on. Yeah, he's he's a very hands-off villain. He likes he likes his hyenas and and or who paws off. Paws right. off, yeah, yeah. Except ironically uh. for the part where he uses his paws to let go of Mufasa and kill him, but um besides that, he like when he's in charge of Pride Rock for a little bit there, he's like having the the lionesses go find food and water and stuff and which is actually accurate. To Hamlet? No, to science, bitch. <laughs> well, excuse me. The male protects the pride lands while the females do the hunting. Gotcha. So the more it's, actually, you know. it's actually scientifically accurate. You will almost never see a full-maned lion going on a hunt. He really? is always just protecting outsiders from he's protecting the land from outsiders. Wow. And in exchange for that protection, he still gets first dibs on the food from the hunt that the lionesses just performed. Dang. Interesting. It's it's a really weird structure, but it works for them. I I've seen some weird documentaries about lions and the way that they like figure out where their territory is going to be and how they try and defend it, who their primary rivals are, what the hierarchy of the pride looks like. And uh, of course they also have to show some segments of their reproductive process. Yeah. I I tell you, I think in this, in this particular pride, there only seems to be Mufasa and Scar seems to be the only males. Yes. Uh-huh. Another is that is that scientifically accurate? Uh, another another accuracy. Uh, they don't want too many males involved in the the pride process. It's more of a harem situation. 
And so he's got a lot of wives, and he's kind of... But Mufasa only had one wife. Uh, Are you saying lions are the Mormons of the animal kingdom? (laughs) I'm saying Mormons are the lions of the human kingdom. (laughs) Fair enough. That works, too. Because uh, bigamy is not something that's limited to lions, my friend. It happens with hippos. It happens with elephants. It happens with a lot. Hmm. So you're saying naturally there must be something to that concept. Hmm. I'm saying monogamy is something that is a construct made up by humans and is not scientifically proven. I mean, even in the Bible, like, King Solomon had several wives. Yes, he did. Like in the 900s. Most of the, ki- most of the kings are kind of not very good in the Bible, though. So. I am the king. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> well, that that was very Jeremy Irons. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm ten it. times the king Mufasa was. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that's another thing. Great line. The writing. The writing. You were talking about Hamlet. The writing is very... Very reminiscent of the original plot to Hamlet. Like, I know that that was their intended purpose, but it's not like they took it very casually. They used a lot of elements from the Shakespearean play and found a way to put it in Africa, in the context of lions. It's just, it's so crazy how accurate the the parallels are. In fact... I've got a quote that I want to share with you guys. It's not the quote of the night, but it's just a quote that that shows just how similar these stories are. It comes from a, a TV show called Third Rock from the Sun. Have either of you heard of it? I have heard of the show, just never seen it. Mm. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. 90s, 90s brilliance, and I don't know why it got canceled because it was just absolutely hilarious. These aliens are exploring and trying to better understand humanity by setting up in Cleveland, Ohio, I believe, and just studying their movements. And they report to this higher being that ends up being played by William Shatner. So it's it's just it's it's a fan freaking tastic show. It's got teenage Joseph Gordon Levitt. It's got uh it's got who who is it? Uh the guy who plays Newman, uh Wayne Knight is in it. Mhm. I mean, it's just it's an amazing show, but the guy who plays Wayne Knight hears that um Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is studying Hamlet in school, and this is what he says. Uh Hamlet, the story is as old as time. Pretty boy son has a rich daddy and a good-looking mommy. The uncle knocks off daddy, marries mommy, and he cuts pretty boy out of the action. So Junior goes crazy and he kills them all. Not a pretty story, but there it is. Jeez, where's that version of The Lion King? Well, but what's funny is Tommy, the the Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, looks at him and goes, Isn't that the plot to The Lion King? (laughs) (laughs) Kinda. Except... I mean... Simba doesn't kill everyone. He kills who he needs to kill. Yeah, true, true. No, actually, that's the other interesting thing about this story, is even with Mufasa's peril in the middle of this film, Simba never brings himself to kill anyone. He will kick hyenas over the ledge. He kicked Scar over the ledge, but it wasn't a deathly kick. Even in their final battle, he was landing blows that were enough to injure him, incapacitate him. 
But when Scar confronts him and he's like, you wouldn't kill your uncle. He's like, no, Scar, I'm not like you. He knows where to draw the line and he never crosses it. That reminds me. Which is super impressive. Reminds me of a line from Batman Begins. I don't have to kill you. But I don't have to save you either. (laughs) He definitely does not intervene when uh, the implied peril of Scar kind of takes it takes its fate uh th- that th- the camera work on that i know that all they had to do was animate the rock instead of animate you know the hyenas jumping on scar but to see his shadow being overtaken by hy- hyenas shadows up against pride rock there was just beautiful and compelling i love seeing that sequence and, it, and it's pretty dark too like you know the thought and the kind of the visualization that you see in the shadows of the hyenas literally eating Scar alive is pretty, pretty, pretty messed up. Yeah. Bad. Well, I mean, it's also pretty messed up that a brother would kill his brother in con- to, to, to vie for control of a piece of land. It's pretty amazing that just Disney in general has gotten a a reputation for being quote-unquote family-friendly because all of their films deal with, you know, kids, the parents being brutally murdered and, and you know, all this kind of really dark stuff, really dark themes. I mean, you watch <laughs> that one scene of Simba trying to wake up his dead father. Oh That's messed gosh. up. That scene is messed up. Oh, we had to talk about that scene, didn't we? Man, the feels, all the feels were there. We gotta go home. Come on, wake up. Like, his voice is breaking, <laughs> and he's he's crying like, like alligator tears. Just sitting there going, what can I do? I, I'm trying, but nothing's working. Nobody's here to help me. And then Scar has the audacity to make him think that it was his fault. I mean, that that's the brilliance of his character, is he's so manipulative. manipulative. Yeah. He mm-hmm. manipulates Mufasa to going down to the gorge in the first place. He manipulates Simba to going into the elephant graveyard. He manipulates Simba into running away. He manipulates the hyenas into joining forces with him, promising them food and power. He is one of the most manipulative villains in all of Disney history. And it's that manipulation that helps prove successful. Yeah. Like, his, his success rate is amazing. He really pulled off the coup of the century. He was third in line and in one day ascended to the top of the heap. Like, that's just... I. I don't say that I approve of what he did, but I am saying it was pretty damn impressive that he even had the nerve to go there. Yeah, like there, there, there's parts of me that think, wouldn't it have been easier to just kill off Simba? Just have the stampede, don't tell Mufasa, just let him die, and then all of a sudden, guess what? You're back in the same place you were before he was born. You're still next in line. Yeah. Mufasa's, Mufusa, Mufasa's not going to live forever and he's probably going to be pretty depressed after the death of his son so they're not going to try again anytime soon 
So he's got time to play the long game here. But instead, he pulls off a, a ascension of the ranks that that is accomplished in one day. He doesn't have to play the long game. His game was over in 24 hours. That's just damn impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and he sets himself up for, for success for life, basically. You know, he doesn't have to, you know, because, like, feasibly, Simba wouldn't be ready to lead that, that ta- at that point. Yeah, So see, that's the other thing, is if he's such a good manipulator, he could have done the flip side and killed off his brother, and technically Simba would have risen through the ranks, but he's going to have his mother in one ear, and he's going to have his uncle in the other ear. Who's he going to listen to? What kind of a leader slash ruler is he going to turn out to be? Is he going to be ruthless or is he going to be compassionate? Is he going to rely on the history of his ancestors or is he going to rely on the help of the here and now? There's so many ways that this story could have been told and it still would have been fascinating. Like I would dream of the parallel universe where this movie goes that direction instead. But at the same time, the way things turned out was phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Um. I would like to highlight two characters and talk about them, if that's okay, for a few minutes. Um, no, that is like... not okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to do it Who said anyway. you had a voice on here, Jake? You did. You said I had a voice. <laughs> Overruled. Um, first character I want to talk about is Mufasa. Because, dang, I forgot what a presence James Earl Jones had. Just even as a voice, man. Like, I think Mufasa, first of all, I love Mufasa's, um, his personality, and I love the relationship he has with his son, and just what a great leader he is, and all that jazz, and I would go as far as to say that I think Mufasa is one of movie, like, one of film's great dads. I think it's, he's one of the great dads in film. He, and it's funny, James Earl Jones manages to play one of the worst dads in film and one of the best dads in film. Like, it's just amazing that... It's amazing that, you know, he's... And this is really... It's inspired casting. And you can imagine... I mean, Mark Hamill has talked about... Told the story several times of how he never thought he would get cast as the Joker because he felt like he was going to get typecast as this... As as Luke Skywalker, as this heroic figure, and but they liked him so much, and now he's one of the most beloved Joker actors ever. Yep. Um, on the flip side of that, you have James Earl Jones coming off of Star Wars, will always be known for that role, um, and having this menacing voice, the one of the most iconic movie voices ever, Darth freaking Vader, and you have to come off of that and go, here's the complete opposite, this just down to earth loving just father figure that is i don't know there's something there's something so endearing about that performance and he's you know the laughs and all this kind of stuff it's completely different it's a completely different character completely different role and you know i don't even think of like it's hard for me in my mind to think of Vader and Mufasa being the same voice. In my opinion, they're completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And they do a wonderful job of setting up who he is and his relationship with Simba so that his death 
hits you all the harder. Yeah. Well, because they have not one, but two heart-to-heart conversations before his untimely death. It's almost like they were just building you up, building you up, building you up so that they could just smack you down. Yeah. I have seen I have seen movies where maybe the parent has a one heart-to-heart with the child, and then everything else is just kind of going through life. And then maybe at the end of the movie, that parent dies, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, but what about that time that Johnny talked with his dad? Now he's never going to get to talk to him again. But you have the discussion of the circle of life, mm-hmm. and you have the the discussion of the great kings of the past. Both of those happen right before Mufasa gets to have any other conversations with him. And then the really cool part is he gets to have a third heart-to-heart from beyond, uh, from, from the world beyond, or whatever you want to call it, from, from, the, from the great kingdom in the sky, however you want to define it. Zombie Mufasa? Zom- zombie Fasa. <laughs> <laughs> the living just imagine it. Just imagine if Mufasa was in Zombies. That would be really weird. <laughs> I mean, he kind of is on the cover of Zombies. More or less, more or less. See, there's our weekly Zombies reference. I think we the forgot the adventures it last of week. Mufasa and Kifo. <laughs> oh, don't even oh, get me started man. on Kifo. Oh, poor <laughs> Kifo. I miss him already. I do not. He does not deserve my, anybody's respect. He's no. Har- <laughs> he's no Harambe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, the director of Zombies follows me on Twitter. Because he <laughs> called me out one time, just randomly, because I made fun of his movie. <laughs> who would dare make fun of Zombies? I yeah, believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were using a whole bunch of different adjectives in, in, a, in a style that resembled the way people describe a, a different movie. Well, yeah, because I, I had been teasing for a couple days that I was going to see Avengers Endgame. Uh-huh. And so it got down to like a few hours before I was supposed to go. I'm like, oh, everyone is expecting like, you know, if I post anything over the next few hours, it'll look like that I was posting my review of Endgame. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to play with this and I'm going to post this really vague review of saying how awful this movie is, how the filmmakers should be absolutely ashamed of themselves, <laughs> just the worst thing possible. And then my second tweet which I posted, um, clarifies that, no, this is my review of Zombies. <laughs> and then a couple weeks or even months pass by, and then I get a, a reply from some dude that's like, oh, hey, whatever, yeah, we're, we're, we have no shame or whatever. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was rep- replying directly to me. And then I had to look up. I'm like, holy crap, it's the director of Zombies. And he's directing Zombies 2 now. It's in production. It's out. I like how it took him like it's... two months to realize that you were making fun well, of Well, okay, I feel like he was just taking a look at anybody that used the word zombies in order to take a look at what the conversation is like. <laughs> he just types in hashtag zombies into Twitter, like, all right, who's talking about my film now? Pretty much, pretty much, because at one point I quoted somebody else's tweet one time that was talking about, you know, give your unpopular movie opinion. And I used um, certain movies like Rubber and Zombievers and things like that. And I said, these types of B-list movies are more enjoyable than most horror flicks. And the lead actress from Zombievers liked my tweet. 
Really? Wow. So I feel like they follow those keywords sometimes and go to take a look at what people think of their cluster of a movie. <laughs> Dang. Yep. But but Lion King is not a cluster. To to follow mm, yeah. up on your comments, Jake, about Mufasa, um, I I really really enjoy his character. I I pretty much enjoy everything about him. The the emotions that that he's able to convey, the wisdom that he's able to impart, the fact that he's able to have three heart to hearts with his son in one ninety minute span, and none of it feels forced, none of it feels off putting. It all feels totally normal. It, it's just, mm-hmm. it's it's really, really well done. James Earl Jones, fantastic voice actor, and the only person that was cast to return to this 2019 reboot. Right. For- I, I mean, they, they got a lot of other really, really solid actors and voice actors to, to play other roles. But John Favreau himself said it would be improper to cast anybody but James Earl Jones for this role. Yeah, he's the he's the only one, man. He he's the true Mufasa. Nobody else can be Mufasa. I just hear that name and I shudder. <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. Ooh, it tingles me. Um, the the other uh, character I wanted to talk about real quick that I loved. Like upon rewatch, I was like, I how did I forget? how much i love this dude um and i love timon and pumba don't get me wrong they're iconic they're very funny but i think the funniest character in this movie is rowan atkinson's zazu yes made me laugh so hard me and my brother were rolling um we were big rowan atkinson fans my brother and i we grew up on mr bean and black adder we're big fans of black adder Johnny English, um, he's just a really funny actor, and we love him, we love him, and he totally shines in this movie, I think, he's very, like, he tries to be proper, but he's unintentionally hilarious in certain situations, and um, his interactions with every character, whether it be Mufasa or Simba or, or Scar himself, it's just always really funny, and... Um, like, I think my favorite was when, when Mufasa is teaching Simba how to pounce and he's like, he tells Zazu to turn around and he's still talking, even though he's turned around, he's like totally unaware of the situation until he gets pounced on. Very funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I loved every scene with Zazu in it. The moment, the moment that absolutely cracked me up and for some reason it just completely, it was one of the, one part of the movie that I completely forgot and it's when uh, Zazu is in the cage and and a Scar is telling him to sing him a song. It's a small world after <laughs> and all. And Scar just immediately comes up, no, no, anything but that. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, yeah. Scar is my spirit animal. <laughs> Don't even do that. No, it's not good. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Coconut. There they are, standing in a row. Big ones. Big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. Which, how is that any better than it's a small I mm, I don't know. I really I I I've never heard the full song. It always cuts off there. So I I really don't know what the lovely bunch of coconuts. Um. So represents. apparently in this universe, these animals are advanced enough. They know that song. They know both of those songs. Plus they know the dee 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 that song. Yeah. 
Like, we'll so... get to that next week, my friend. Oh yeah, <laughs> Zach, I heard about the song they use in the new one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. yeah see, kind of see, shocking. Zach, you've actually seen the movie. We have not. So, I, I have. We're gonna and get I've, to it at I've some point. I've tried to be future. as vague as possible, but yeah, there, there's a very good chance if we if we don't discuss it next week, we'll discuss it in two weeks to give you guys more time to go see it. But I really hope we talk about it next week because I have a lot of thoughts on this film. Um, <laughs> not any that I would care to divulge tonight and derail the conversation of this movie. Um, there's there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences. Things that we will get to discuss whenever we do talk about the new live action reboot, but. Um, I feel we would be remiss if we at least if we if we didn't at least touch on Timon and Pumbaa for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. because if, even if Rowan Atkinson as his character Zazu did a fantastic job, these two guys they gave us a new outlook on life. Like they they helped teach us a new language for one thing. Hakuna and then Matata. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful um, phrase. Yes. And, and it, it totally it totally ties in with the great moral messages in this movie. I mean, this movie is ultimately about it's a coming of age story. It's yeah. about, yeah. you know, growing up. It's about, you know, responsibilities and how you deal with those responsibilities and, you know, being true to yourself and, you know, and learning how to deal with when your uncle just happens to murder your father and get sent you away and you have to deal with that you know if that happens to happen to you you know what to do <laughs> don't you hate you when that happens kid. but yeah it's just yeah, i mean it's it happened to me, to me twice now man i just can't catch a break <laughs> i know just sucks but with lion king it's it's about i love the, the journey that simba goes on it's like you know him i can't wait to be king and then he finds out in this, and in, in that I love that song because not because it's just a great song, but also with the irony of, and the whole life lessons around, you know, we are always looking ahead to I can't wait to do this, and we don't actually always think about what it's going to take to get there, and sometimes we don't realize what we're going to lose to get there, and Simba doesn't realize that to be king he has to lose his father, and he doesn't want to do that. He's not thinking this through. He's a little lion cub. He's just not with this life thing. He's just, he's just missing it. Um, but with Simba, it's like, you know, oh, I can't wait to be king. And then he loses all that and he learns to not have any worries. Hakuna Matata. And, you know, Timon and Pumbaa are these characters that are just free, you know, free spirits. And they're just all over the place. And, but he grows. He, you know, Hakuna Matata is a great thing. But you still have to remember that. Sometimes you have responsibilities you have to go back to. And he learns that. And then the sweetest part about Timon and Pumbaa that I love is like at the end, he's like, yeah, if this means something to you, then we'll we'll fight you for it. Like, yeah, this sucks. What you're going back to Pride Rock's place sucks. But if it means something to you, then yeah, we're with you till the end. I that's, That so, sells me so hard on those characters. You know what I would love to find out is how Timon and Pumbaa met. Have you not watched The Lion King one and a half? No, and I need just to. wait until the live action remake of Lion King one and a half, dude. Okay, not gonna lie, I would be on board with that. Really? Let's do it. Let's do it. I I would I would I would be on board with based on based on what I've seen last night. I would be on board with seeing a Timon and Pumbaa origin story with Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner. We need a we need to start a GoFundMe for this. 
or a petition yes, petition because, because that's how that yes because that's proven really effective in the past <laughs> i mean it worked on sonic the hedgehog uh, that's about the only thing it's worked on it didn't work on game of thrones didn't work on last jedi didn't work on much anything else true but I, I dude lion king one and a half is actually a really cute story that talks about how timon and pumba met how they discovered the the place that they're living in, how they met Simba, uh, and and basically like a giant behind the scenes look at how they influenced things in the original Lion King movie. Like, well, oh. it's 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 a it's a takeoff of uh, what's the 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 the, the it, it's a play. It, yeah, it, the Shakespeare. It's, it's the Gildersleeve. I can't remember the names of the characters, but Rosen, it's a takeoff of that. Rosenstern, Gildenkrantz, Gilden, Rosen, Rosenkrantz, Rosenkrantz, and Gildenstern. There you go. <laughs> we, after like five <laughs> tries, we finally got it. So it wasn't actually the bard that wrote that. Somebody uh, very kindly corrected me on that not too long ago. It was somebody that was inspired by Shakespeare's works. Because they're, they're minor characters in the play. In they are in, they are uh, the they are the comedic relief of Hamlet. They are actually right. Timon and Pumbaa essentially. And uh, the the person who was inspired by Shakespeare, I forget his name. I think it was John something. Um, he wrote a play from the perspective of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern that showed the events of Hamlet taking place from their perspective. And right. so Lion King one and a half is basically the story of the Lion King from Timon and Pumbaa's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all kind of, and also if you ever heard of Tag and Bank. Yeah. From Star Wars. The, right? the Star Wars comic, they are also inspired by Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I believe it. I, I believe it. Um, but you know, I think it's interesting that Simba kind of needed time away from the kingdom in order to realize what he was missing out on Yeah. to, to realize what kind of responsibility he needed to own up to. And he got that with Timon and Pumbaa. The, he, what, what, what's, what's interesting is they kind of taught him responsibility in the context of being self-reliant. You know, if you know how to take care of yourself, then you'll also know how to take care of others. And I don't think they were trying to teach him that, but I think he ended up learning it anyways, which is really fascinating. Yep. I, I think yep. we need to spend just two quick minutes on Rafiki before we close out the night. Ah, Heck yes. yes. Because... Rafiki! With without Asante San the squash banana, we don't have the coronation, we don't have the search party that goes out to look for him, and we don't have that epic conversation about how the past can hurt, but you can choose to either run from it or learn from it. Can I just tell you how much that scene reminded me of Yoda and Luke on Dagobah? Absolutely. Really? <laughs> really? Absolutely. Well, he's it's it's all about it's all about, you know, he's it's not necessarily a patience thing, but it's more about, you know, Rafiki is totally just screwing with Simba. Yeah, he's the same way that Simba it's the same way that Yoda is is screwing with Luke. Yeah, but kind of in a different way. He's just kinda of like messing around with him and Simba's like, Who's this crazy weird dude, you know? And very Luke Yoda on Dagobah. And then they go through the trees there and that was, the setting just reminded me of Dagobah too. And then it all leads to, you know, a vision um, that that sends Simba further on his journey and helps open his eyes to 
to what he needs to see. And that's kind of what happened to Luke when he goes into the cave, you know? Yeah, I I love the I just his whole demeanor collection. I know your father, like just he just yep. he's so good. Yeah, and there's something mystical about him too. You know, he like there's something supernatural about Rafiki. How he how he I believe, can tell if I'm not mistaken the the in the new version Rafiki is played by John Connie, who plays T'Challa's dad in. Uh, oh Panther. yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. You you would be correct, sir. But that is something we must discuss another time because we are short on time. Um, we're gonna we're gonna pause here for just a few seconds and then come back with our final thoughts and our planet scores for this 1994 classic. When the IPC podcast continues. Or beasts with quite so little hair. I'm gonna be the main event like the king was before. I'm brushing up, I'm looking down, I'm working on my board. <laughs> Thus far, a rather an inspiring thing. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. You've got a long way to go, young master, if you think. No one's saying do this. Now, when I said that, no one's saying no one's saying stop that No one's saying see here We don't run around all day Well that's definitely out We don't do it all my way I think it's time that you and I Arranged a heart to heart Kings don't need advice From little poor Bill's poor stars If this is where the monarchy Headed, count me out Out of service, out of Africa I wouldn't hang about This child is getting wildly out of wing Oh, I just can't wait to be Disney Pictures. He was the heir to a vast empire. This will all be mine? Everything the light touches. Until a treacherous plot cost him the throne. I will be king! But while his life may have changed, his destiny could never be denied. You are the one true king. I'm going back! Simba! In the great tradition of Disney adventure comes The Lion King. Rated G. Exclusive engagements now playing. Starts June 24th everywhere.
All right, we are back, and like I said at the top of the discussion, guys, I wish that we had three hours to talk about this movie because I, I just don't feel like an hour 20, an hour 30 would do this movie proper justice. It, it, it's just there's so many different things. The musical numbers, it's hardly anything that we've gotten to talk about tonight. I mean, just real quick, which one was your favorite? We've got Circle of Life. We've got Hakuna Matata. We've got uh, Be Prepared. We've got Can, uh, you Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Like, there's so many great pieces of music in this. What was your favorite musical number? Oh, man. I need a second. I just can't wait to be king. I just can't wait to be king is, I think that's the best Disney song ever. Wow. And this is, this is like, also like, there's so much good music in there. There's like three of Elton John's like most popular songs, or at least the ones that I love the most, are in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, and on top of that, you have the other songs and... Hakuna Matata, again, probably one of the most iconic Disney songs ever. Like, but there's so much good music. It's really, this, I think this has got to be the best Disney soundtrack. It's got to be. I think. And I love, I love A Whole New World. I love all the Latin stuff. I love so many other ones. We just talked about Aristocats a little while ago. Uh Like, I love them all, but like, Lion King's got them all beat. I, I think Hakuna Matata and... Just can't wait to be king are pretty neck and neck for me. I give a slight edge to Kuda Batata though. Uh for me, I like I said, I have a deep and profound respect for the success that Scar had in accomplishing his goals. Um and and it all kind of started with his song Be Prepared. Uh, and I think the lighting in this is great. I think the 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 chorus in it is great. Having having the choral backgrounds, I think having Whoopi Goldberg involved in the song was hilarious and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I love Hakuna Matata, I think the best um, villain song is "Be Prepared." Out of out of all the other Disney songs that we've heard villains sing from, everything from you know "Poor Unfortunate Souls" to "Mother Knows Best," you know. I don't think there's any villain song out there that is quite as accomplished or 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 fantastic as Be Prepared. It's great. Yep. It really is great. Um, but I will say, my secret weapon when it comes to karaoke night is Elton John's Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Yeah. It's that is a song. You you bring you bring that puppy up, and I am the one that closes down karaoke night. Not even kidding. Like there was a time when we did karaoke just for fun, and I really didn't know what to sing, and I was kind of scrambling a little bit. And I found the lyrics to "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" online, and I was like, "Okay, play this." And I did, and literally no one else wanted to go after me because they were like, "I can't top that." No, I think what it I think what it was was that halfway through your performance, someone accidentally unplugged your microphone and they're like, no, 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 karaoke's closed. No more. No more, please. <laughs> you haven't heard me sing it, my friend. There's a video I'm out there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's a video out there on the interweb somewhere on my Facebook profile where I sang it at like an open house night for a local high school. And uh, it got a lot of applause then. And uh, I'm working on expanding my repertoire, but that's the one that always brings the house down. I'm not trying to sound super prideful. I'm just saying, if you're ever in town, 
try and convince me to go to karaoke night because it'll be a lot of fun. No, no, love yourself, man. If you got, if you, if you got it, flaunt it. Uh, what are we talking about now? Are we still talking about my voice? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like Joey from weird. Friends, my. I'm, I'm like Joey from Friends, buddy boy. I'm curvy and I like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Final thoughts on the Lion King. Final thoughts and then our overall planet scores. And I'm going to add a little addendum. Why? As in, why did you rate it that? So, okay. uh, Ben, what are your final thoughts on The Lion King? So my final thoughts are this film is amazing. It's easily one of the best Disney films of all time. One of the best films of all time, I think. Um, it, I think it just proves – I think it's a shame, especially since this film came out in 1994, that people still kind of look down upon cartoons or animated movies as, like, lesser because Lion King on its own proves that you can do amazing layered filmmaking that is just as good or better than most live action films um and it's it's animation and it's just it's telling a story and it's 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 great i mean it's it's just it it speaks to so many people and it's for so many different things and has a great moral message and that's really what i want out of a movie is i want to feel something i want to laugh i want to cry and i also want to have a good message there that that you know no matter who's watching it can get something out of it and you can you know apply it to real life and We've all grown up with this movie. We've all kind of been in situations where, yeah, well, I I know this because, you know, Simba was in this situation, and I can kind of apply that. So, I think overall, it's just it's just a brilliant film. It really is, and I'm looking forward to the live action film. I'm trying to I'm trying to be optimistic as much as I can, despite all the negativity I've been hearing about it. But nothing will change. Don't buy into it's gonna ruin this whatever no this film is on its own it's great nothing will ever change that it is a in a league of its own and it's i'm gonna give it how could i not give it a 10 out of 10 how can i not i i can't i have nothing to complain about it there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever every aspect of it is brilliant it's a 10 out of 10 all right uh jake you are up my friend I mean, Ben just kind of took the words from me. It's it's a brilliant movie, you know. It's like it's got everything that you could want in a film. It's got all the laughs, got all the feels. Um, great story from beginning to end. Great characters, great songs. You know, there's really not a lot wrong. You know, you can't say much about this that's negative at all. You know, you you'd really have to be reaching, I think. Um, and for that reason, I have to give it a planet score of about 9.8. You know, I I don't know. I feel like the point two in there is just like that point two. I feel like I have to give to pretty much every movie that exists that is just about as close to perfect as you can get. Because, you know, there's, I'm sure, something in there that if you pick it apart may not be up to snuff. But it's really undetectable really 9.8 out of 10 for the lion king and um i'm pretty happy with that score pretty comfortable right there um you know if i were 
if I were really just kind of being loose with it, I would say 10, but 9.8 is about as close as I can get to 10. Well, Ben, we were close. (laughs) Oh, no. We were so close. 0.2% away from being close of three attempts. So close. So, so incredibly close. We were were talking off the air about what the odds were of the first ever perfect planet score in the history of this podcast. Oh, man. Screw it. I'll just say 10 then, because might as well. (laughs) Might as well. Okay, here, let me back up a second. I, I have not found anything wrong with this movie so what am i even saying 10 i have to give it a 10 because i can't find anything wrong with it <laughs> you twisted his arm you twisted his arm uh, <laughs> i don't want to be the one responsible for not getting a three tens. <laughs> oh in case you all couldn't guess spoiler alert zach's gonna give it a 9.5 <laughs> <laughs> Zach, don't do this to me, man. No, I'm not, dude. I'm not. Our friend George in the Channel 1138 chat gave it a 10. I'm following the crowds. It is also a 10. And, and it's not It's not just because I can't find something to nitpick. It's because there isn't anything to nitpick. Facts. The songwriting, the acting, the choreography, the cinematography, the animation, the stylizing, the color schemes everything about this down to the the research that was put in to to make this the wildebeest stampede look accurate the fact that it took them over a year to to make that scene because they had to keep duplicating the wildebeests in order to to make a a, a giant enough stampede like there was a ton of work that was put into this movie and that I think is part of the reason why people are so defensive of it is because not only is it a part of our childhood, but it is just a fantastic accomplishment by Disney that, you know, regardless of how far technology has come, I think some people feel that by trying to, to make a live action version of it, it's a slap in the face of a perfect original. You know, we're all giving it 10 out of 10s here. And you know, it's really hard to think about, is is there something out there that can make it an 11 out of 10? Honestly, probably not. But that's not what this is about. And we'll talk about that next week. But I'm really glad. I, I, thank you for humoring me, Jake, because this is the first time a, a Planet Score has ever gotten a perfect score. I don't have to do any mathematic equations on this one. We're looking at this going, this is a perfect film. And I truly believe that it is going to stay that way till the end of time. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our friend George, absolutely. our friend George asked, "What movies do you think of when you think of Disney?" And for me, it would be Lion King, Aladdin, um, Aladdin, Aladdin, Aladdin. Maybe I didn't grow up on Aladdin as much. I think of The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Um, I think of Snow White because it's the first animated Disney film. And I also think of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. And Song of the South. Toy Story for me, I think. Toy Story? Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Jake is just trying to get us canceled. He's trying <laughs> right? to get us, just trying you know. to do everything he can for us to not do an episode next week. 
but we're going we're going like, to resist. you know he spends his and he spends his entire week after he gets you know hired on as the third co-host of the show he's like how can i sabotage you? how can i <laughs> i'm rubbing my hands well, right now well it didn't work this time <laughs> but it probably will next week yes well okay here's here's the other here's the other um interesting element is uh, we, we were discussing what the quote of the night could be, but I really uh-huh. don't think it's fair to do just one quote from this movie because okay. there's so many quotables. There's so many elements of this film that are worth listening to doing just one quote would not do this movie justice. So my encouragement partially because we're short on time, but also partially because we just freaking love this movie my encouragement to you guys as listeners is to go back and watch this movie again. Even if you watched it just two or three days ago, go back and watch this movie and just listen to the quotes. Just listen to how well it's written and how well it's acted. If you have to close your eyes or put on a blindfold or something, but just go back and listen to this movie because it is chock full of so many great quotes that it is worth just listening to absolutely absolutely so that's your quote of the night folks go watch the movie again <laughs> that's the quote of the night amen uh, we are running short on time so i'm going to give a really quick thank you to all of our patrons because we do it every week uh joey jake who's here on the show with hey. us rachel dan and parker you guys are the ones that help keep the show running keep us afloat if you want to learn more about becoming a patron of the program, just go to ipcpodcast.podbean.com, or you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ipcpodcast, and you can find episodes of our show on starwarsunderworld.com, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, that's the really, really quick one, because we've got a really, really quick final segment to do this evening, and then we are done. I know you guys are sending me messages on Facebook. We need to go. We need to go. Well, then let's go. Right into it, ladies and gents, get out your hashtags, because it is time, one more time, for everybody's favorite hashtag on the IPC podcast, hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Watch. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this one's going to be really easy. Uh, I know that there was a prompt for, for one that was suggested by our friend Joey Mays. We'll do that one maybe we'll, next week. We'll, we'll save it for another week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save it for another week because that one's really in-depth, and this one's going to be pretty easy. Um, out of the... Creatures that showed up to Simba's coronation, which one would you most want to barbecue? Oh, oh no. I got I know. Oh, I'm no. getting morbid here, but it's okay because it's not just a kid's film. <laughs> I'm going to go with zebra. Uh, I'm actually kind of with you on that. I'm really curious what zebra tastes like, especially after the zebra leg that Scar hoisted up for the hyenas in the middle of the film. Right. Like, I'm really curious what barbecued zebra would taste like. I don't think I'd eat horse, but I'd try zebra. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have any problem because I'm thinking about oh, all the cute animals. In real life, zebras are kind of a holes. 
if you're <laughs> actually familiar with them. Like I went to a I went to a pet like a a, a a a refuge thing one time, and where you could like feed like all kinds of animals, deer, giraffes, like everything. And the one animal they told you don't feed is the zebras. He says don't feed them, don't touch them because they will bite you, because they're a holes, <laughs> and they just do it, and they're just really aggressive. So don't touch them. So yeah. I didn't get to feed the zebras, so heck, I'm gonna feed myself with some zebra because why not? Man, that was that was a lot, a lot easier than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> We're all just like, man, screw zebras. We're done with it. Them stripes, you see them stripes? Screw those stripes. Those d- dumb stripes. I. <laughs> that's funny. That that's really really funny. Uh, well, guys, this has been a really fun evening. I'm looking forward to whenever we do get to talk about the 2019 version. I think there's going to be a lot of thoughts uh, coming from a lot of different directions on it. But uh, in the meantime, where can the folks at home keep up with you until our next episode? Go, Jake. Well, I am on Twitter at Jake Damon, D-A-M-O-N. And I'm on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. I post a lot of artwork there. And pretty soon here, my brother and I hopefully are going to be starting a podcast uh, covering Hogan's Heroes. But we'll see where that goes. We we may change our mind on that, but uh, that's the idea right now. I'm gonna protest that show if it ends up happening. How <laughs> dare you? Come on, you love it. You love Hogan's Heroes. I love one character in Hogan's Heroes, Sergeant Schultz. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's the he's the best. Best. I I would say that if you do that, I'll listen to it. But pretty much anything you do, I'll listen to. Oh so, wow, thanks. Um, so wow. uh, it's not a big deal. It's not. Why don't a big you just deal. marry him already? <laughs> oh no, wait, you I can't. I don't know. We'll move to move somewhere where you can have multiple wives, and one of them can be me. Oh, you mean Utah? Um, <laughs> that was something I did not think would be said on the podcast tonight. Uh, yeah, we're offending everyone, <laughs> everyone tonight. Um, and if you want to send your hate mail somewhere, send it at me at Ben Hart with no E. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I post some of those places occasionally, some of those places way too much. And then you can also find me at StarWarsInTheWorld.com, where pretty much everything I do is posted there, including all the latest Star Wars news and every single episode of IPC. There's a lot of stuff happening. I've been busy all day trying to collect some Star Wars news for you guys. So go up there. And Dominic is uh, our good friend. Dominic Jones is it. San Diego Comic-Con right now. There's a lot of stuff happening. And he's been sending us stuff back to talk about. And there's a lot of stuff on the site right now. So go check that out. StarWarsUnderworld.com. Yeah. We might have to start next week's episode a little early and do like a mini SDCC recap before we talk about whatever our discussion point is. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff dropping from uh, Hall H and the rest of the con this weekend. So Saturday. Tomorrow, as of recording this, you're going to have the big Marvel MCU panel. And that's promising to be a big one. That alone should be worth it. But hopefully next week's episode will be proven worth it, no matter what our discussion topic is. But for now, I think we're going to have to call it a night. Episode 247 of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast is now officially in the books. Find me on social media at Zach underscore DFW if you want to, or Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice. That's my new uh, broadcasting profile that I'm trying to build up. So... Go find me on those places if you want to. But we'll also see you next week for episode 248 of IPC. For Jake Damon and Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this final thought. The enemy of my enemy 
is my friend. And we hope to see you friends next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no peasant craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Why, when he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem thick-skinned. And it hurt that my friends never stood downwind. And oh, the shame! What a change in my name! Oh, what's in a name? And I got downhearted! Time to feel! Every time that I... Pumper, not in front of the kids. Oh, sorry. Hakuna Matata! What a wonderful phrase! Hakuna Matata! For those lions, we'd be running the joint. Yeah, man, I hate lions. So pushy. And hairy. And stinky. And man, are they ugly. <laughs> oh, surely we lions are not all that bad. Oh.
Scar, it's just you. <laughs> you were afraid it was somebody important. Yeah, you don't like Mufasa. Yeah. I see. Now that's power. Tell me about it. I just hear that name and I shudder. Mufasa. Ooh. Do it again. Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. 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 <laughs> it tingles me. I'm surrounded by idiots.